Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. So today, we talked about, uh, again, three weeks ago, what wonders are. They're bottomless. Last week, we talked about, I paid for that. You might have forgot the message, but you remembered the uh, idea of going through the drive-thru and not getting all the, po- the tacos that you paid for. Nothing more frustrating in a first world country, clarify, <laughs> clarify, than ordering six tacos and getting four. And the only thing worse than that is driving off and not discovering that you, you, you have missing items until you're away from where you can get them. And so we talked about that. So we talked about bottomless wonders is what God offers. And then we talked about I paid for that, and that's how we have access, or why, I should say, why we have access to miracles is because of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago on the cross. Today, to kind of give you, that was a little recap. That was my Netflix, the past three episodes you missed. Today, uh, I want to talk to you about uh, this idea of, of, of uh, how we, we encounter wonders in our life, how we receive wonders in our life. So we talked about what, we talked about why, but now I want to talk to you about how. How in the world, what is the practical application to Christianity if God is real, if God does answer prayers, if God does do miracles, what is kind of the secret sauce? What is the what is the the remedy? What is the what is the uh, formulation or the the how do you antiquate how God operates? And that's kind of the where I want to start off this morning. And if you're taking notes in this uh, third message in the series Wonders, I want you to write this title down: Expect Expect Wonders. Expect Wonders. Say say with me: Expect. Acts chapter 3 is where we're going to turn today. Acts chapter 3. I might even uh, allude to some passages out of Mark chapter 5, so you can write that down in your notes as well. If you're new to our church, I'm going to read 10 verses. Everything I'm going to teach on today is connected to these 10 verses. And I'm not just a teller. I believe in showing and telling. How many believe that? I think Christianity is not just telling. If all we do is talk about God, uh, we are no different than a TED Talker. This is not a TED Talk this morning that I'm just going to share some thoughts with you and entertain you or educate you. My intention is, very want to be forthright with you, is I'm going to teach you about who God is. I'm going to show you what God's done. And I'm going to give God the invitation to do it again in this room. Is that all right? Because Christianity is not just telling, it's showing as well. It says that God actually accompanied the teaching of the early apostles by proving with many uh, undeniable miracles that he was there in the midst. And that's going to happen. I was just in Ohio this week. I flew in and out to a conference in Canton, Ohio, home of the NFL Hall of Fame. That's all they have there. And uh, there's a great church called Faith Family Church. And I spoke there. And God did miracles in this meeting. And I want to just say this to kind of prime the pump. But I told in the beginning of the night, God gave me a couple things to pray for and uh, shared them. The end of the message, I never prayed this before, but God told me there was someone there that's never had the ability to cry that their tear ducts would not produce whatever. I don't even know what that's called. And I had this specific word, and uh, I said, I called it out, and I said, God's healing you right now. Just go ahead and message me or tell a leader. And this girl ends up messaging me and said, I haven't cried my entire life. And, I, and when, as soon as you said that, she goes, my eyes began to water. Tears began to stream down my face. And then I, and I had a word for someone's scoliosis. I saw someone's back crooked like a question mark, and I saw God aligning someone's back. And it wasn't one. There's like three different people that confirmed that their backs were healed in that moment. And so I just, I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you that I, I didn't heal anybody. But I do know God's voice. And whatever he wants to heal, I'm going to call it out. 
Is that all right? And so I want to just say that qualified because I'm not just telling today. I want to show you that God is a healer today. And so you ready to go? All right. If you get bored today, you're boring. And uh, do you tell some jokes, some stories? Uh, we like to have fun in our church. And I don't know why I say this all the time, but we're, we're kind of loud because I'm a loud person. My wife knows I don't have an inside voice. I can't whisper. And it, whispering makes me angry. So we're a loud church, and we're also a very, we're vocal. So we, if we hear something good, we say amen. Some of you are, that's new to you. But if you go to a sporting event, people getting excited don't freak you out. So don't let it freak you out in our church. Amen. Is that right? Cool. Just to make sure. So cool. And then, uh, and then the other thing is uh, I, I, I had a sense of humor before I met Jesus, and it was weird. It didn't get delivered. And so it's still with me. I'm sorry. I apologize. And uh, if you don't like to laugh, you might be oversaved. You know you're oversaved when you only read text messages that have been delivered. That was a joke. Um, that was a joke. Just testing your humor there. Okay, so if you got your Bible today, uh, Acts chapter 3, let's read uh, 10 verses together here. It says, now Peter and John, verse chapter 3, this is the beginning of the, the Christian church. Uh, the church just started, 120 uh, Crazy people came out of upper rooms speaking fluently in other languages. We talked about that in pre previous series. Uh, and then the church grew from 120 to 3,000 in one message. Peter preaches, 3,000 strangers get saved, give their lives to Jesus, profess faith in Jesus. Then uh, after this, they start going to prayer meetings and church services. And on this one occasion in Acts chapter 3, beginning of the church, uh, we find here um, that Peter and John, who, who walked together, Peter and John, who's that Peter and this is a message within a message, but this is just fun, fun to say. If you have an anger problem, make friends with someone that loves everybody. Peter cut people's ears off. John hugged everyone. And I think it was strategic that they were walking to a prayer meeting together because you should always staff your weaknesses. That was for somebody. They were walking up together to the church at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. This is interesting, worth noting as well, is that before Jesus came, the Jewish custom was is they prayed three times a day. And it's interesting that after Jesus came, there were some traditions in the law that they did not abandon. Not everything from your old life God will get rid of. Some disciplines are still good. So they came to prayer at the ninth hour, and a certain man that was lame from his mother's womb. We go on in chapter 4 and find out that he was 40 years old. So 40 years of his life, he wasn't able to walk. Someone carried him every day to the gate beautiful and laid him there. And it says this, that that he would beg there at the gate of the church or the temple. And he saw Peter and John about to go into the church, and he asked them for some money. Fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. Stay with me. Look at us. Look at us. So he gave them his attention. This layman gave them his attention. Expecting, kind of a key word here, expecting to receive something. I want you to highlight that phrase if you want. It's okay to highlight your Bible. One scholar said a dirty Bible means you probably have a clean life. But if you have a clean Bible, you probably have it. We'll keep going. <laughs> Expecting to receive something from them. He said, to, then Peter said, I don't have silver. I don't have gold. I don't have cash app or Venmo. But what I do have, what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I want you to get up and I want you to walk. And he took him by the right hand and he lifted him up. And immediately after 40 years of never using his feet or his ankle bones, 
they received strength at once. He stood up, he started leaping, walking, and he started praising God. And he entered the temple worshiping God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew, they knew, say with me, they knew. It's interesting that in the early days of the church, no one denied miracles. It's great. Even the religious people, they couldn't deny. They're like, man, this is a miracle happened. We can't deny it. Let's just tell them to stop doing them. So they knew that this was the guy that's been begging at the beautiful gate for years. And they were filled, watch this, they were filled with wonder, and they were filled with amazement at what had happened to him. I'm going to read that last part again. They were all filled. The city was filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. One more time. And the city was filled with wonder, say with me, and amazement at what had happened to I believe that one of the greatest evidence of the existence of God is when people that knew you before God see the difference that he made in your life. City saw. They were amazed and they wondered. I'm going to pray. I'm going to tell a story. If you laugh, we'll call it a joke. And then we're going to teach a few points, and then we're going to land the plane, and God's going to heal some people today, do some miracles. Let's pray real quick. God, I just thank you so much for the opportunity uh, to be at the Hills Hotel. Thank you for giving us a home temporarily while you're getting our official home locked in. I ask you today, Lord, whether it's our first time to this community or whether we come every week, I pray whether we've been serving you for four decades or for four days, that God, today you would meet us where we are. I ask you that you, I thank you that you have more for us that we haven't exhausted you, that you have fresh mercies, fresh grace, fresh knowledge. So I ask you today to build build and strengthen our faith. Let us have an awesome time together. And we just pray this be the best year for the Lakers in decades. In Jesus' name, if you believe it. Come on, say amen. Amen. I always lose faith there. I don't know about, uh, about you, but I think that Amazon gave you the option to track packages because of people like me. I don't know if you're like me at all, but I want to know when I order something or ask for something, I want to know kind of an estimated time of arrival. I'm the guy, a little bit OCD when I go to airports. I want to, I'm checking my app before I go to the airport. I want to make sure my plane is on time, what gate it's going to be at, if there was gate change, changes. Uh, I'm just a little bit weird that way. I just, I'm interested in knowing. Like I, I my, my friend Joel drove to Idaho this week and he was, uh, he was grabbing, he was picking some stuff up for me and. I said, hey, share your location with me. And I, so he did, which is always, by the way, that's kind of a personal thing to ask. You want to know where I am at all times? Yeah, come on, man. We need some accountability in your life. That's what I told him. And so he, he goes, but I love it because I, I knew, because I could track his location, I knew when I could expect him back. I don't know what it is, but I'm just, I, I'm, I'm, I'm wired this way. I love to be able to have a good idea of what my expectations can be. I, I don't know. I don't know why. I, and it's weird because I, I have so much faith. I'll be honest. I think sometimes I have more faith driving through in and outs drive through than I do in my everyday life. Let me explain. When I go to the drive through in and out usually you don't even make it to the, 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 the speaker because there's like four employees standing three miles away from the, from the restaurant. They got their little computer around their neck. They're talking to you. They're trying to push this line, this hodgepodge line of vehicles around the snake parking lot, and uh, they, they, they take your order, and I, it's weird, in and out I, I have so much confidence, I have so much faith, that whatever I ask them for, whatever I tell them, whatever I'm, whatever I'm uh, uh, expecting from them, I tell them, and I drive, you know, the mile that it is from them to the window, 
And I do not have any fear, worry, or anxiety between talking to the guy with the computer around his neck and driving to the pickup window. There is a weird confidence I possess that what I talked about a second ago is going to be evidenced in a few moments at the window. It's weird. It's just like I have faith. It's like, and I started thinking about this. I have more faith in In-N-Out Burger than sometimes I have in God. That I talked to them previously, and I know I don't have to worry that they're going to actually, there's going to be, there's things that God has put, that that I have put in my own heart. (laughs) Come on, a double-double. Come on, protein-style, animal-style with chilies. Can I get an amen in the church? I know. It's like, I'm going to order this thing. I'm going to see this thing. I'm, I'm, I'm craving this thing. I have an appetite for this thing. And what are you saying? You're saying that like every appetite that you have is, is God's appetite. God's going to give you every appetite that, that you have. No, that's not the promise of Scripture. But it says in Psalms 37, it says in verse 4, it says, If you delight yourself in the Lord, that he'll give you the desires of your heart. So let's say it this way. I thought that if I said, hey, I'm going to like give my life to God, he's going to give me everything that I've ever wanted. It's like voting from Pedro. That's an Idaho joke. One person got it. Is, that's not the way it works. What, what works is, is that you delight yourself in God, and as you spend time with Jesus, he gives you desires. And the desires that he gives you when you're with him are the desires that he brings to pass in your life. That was worth saying again. The desires that you acquire as you're spending time with God are the desires that God gives you the ability to acquire in your life. He's a God that gives you this appetite that's holy, and as you have an appetite that's holy, you start talking to him about this appetite, and it's weird that what you expect, you start experiencing in the future. I I, I, want to talk to you today about expecting wonders, because I think many people, they don't live expecting anything from God. It is the weirdest thing to me, and I got convicted of it because God even spoke to me this week. He goes, Mark, if you got everything right now today that you're expecting from me, what would change in your life? And I'll be honest, if we're really being honest, I think sometimes we're being real, that if God answered all of your prayers, the only person that would be in better state or better condition would be you and your family. I think sometimes if we're not intentional, the only people we're praying for are people that have our last name. The only people we're trying to really care and help are people that are in our household. And I'm not against praying for your kids and your family and your spouse and your business and your life. But I do think that we have to have expectation that bridges beyond the gap of the four walls of our own home. That's a good spot for a selfless amen. I think that God wants to give you a love and a desire that exceeds your own needs. I think God wants to answer prayers that are beyond just your own needs. I think God wants to to raise you up in such a way that you become the answer to someone else's prayers. I believe that expectation is something that God wants all of us to live with. You, if you practice hard in a sports team, you go to a tournament, what do they say? We're expecting to do well because of what we did previously. You, you have all these different variations and, uh, and ideas of, of, of expecting. You, you get pregnant, right? What do they say for nine months? We're, what are you expecting? Well, well something happened to us then that's going to alter our future then in the future, and we're, in the meantime, we're living in this window of expectation. I felt like, again, and this is just kind of another message I didn't really study for as much as I felt like God gave me in prayer, that he told me that Ocean's Community, because we're laying a foundation, this is, we're in a, the 11th month of our church, and this is a foundational message for us, and here's the word I felt like God gave me, is that we are going to be a church that believes we're going to expect great things from God. Write this phrase down. We're going to expect great things from God, so that we can do 
great things for God. I believe that before any great doing, there has to be great expecting. Say it again. Preceding great action is great expectations. And if we're going to have great exploits, we got to have great expectations. I believe the human default, if it's okay to yell, try not to do that. The human default to most of us is if we're not living with, with holy expectations in life, we'll just live by human existing. If you don't have expectations, you'll have existing instead. What are you doing, man? I'm existing. Are you expecting? Are you existing? I felt like God said, Mark, Ocean's Church is not going to be an existing church. We're going to be an expecting church. I love this story. This guy's born lame. He can't walk. And literally, the only thing this guy has going for him is that someone carried him to the right place. I believe the right place to be carried to, if, you don't, if you're not doing well, if you're in a struggling situation, I think the greatest thing this guy had in his life was some friends that loved him enough to carry him somewhere that he can get help. Now, the only help he got in the beginning was just physical money to, to, to pay for food. But I believe on this particular occasion, two guys walking to a prayer meeting. By the way, FYI, prayer is where miracle power comes from. We always want to do great miracles. We just don't want to spend time with God. But what we find is, is Jesus never teaches his disciples how to do miracles. He only teaches them how to pray. Isn't it weird? Luke chapter 11, they, they come to him. You ever thought about this? You're with Jesus. You can ask him for anything. Like, what was at the beginning? Where's the end of space? Where's the wall? What's on the other side of the wall? You could ask him all these questions, right? What came first? You know, you could ask him all, what would you rather, you know? You could ask Jesus anything. And you find yourself in a predicament that the only thing 12 young guys wanted to know, they didn't want to know how to get rich, how to get famous. They didn't ask how to, how to get more influence, how to influence people and make a difference in the world. They how do you do miracles? They didn't ask that. They just said, Jesus, would you, uh, would you teach us how to pray? Like, like John taught his disciples how to pray. And I actually believe the reason why they asked for that and not anything else is because they, they knew that if they could tackle that thing like Jesus tackled it, that they would have the fruit that Jesus has in all these other areas. So what do you see here? Is this guy gets carried to the right place and uh, Peter and John see him and he looks up at him and goes, hey, can I have some, I'm expecting, hey, can I have some money? Can I have something? And I believe the only thing that this, this guy, that this is what I love about Jesus, is I think that God can even use our wrong appetites. I think it's better to desire something, even if it's a little bit theologically off, than to have no appetite at all. Uh, my mentor always said this to me. He said, Mark, it's easier to direct someone that's already moving than to motivate someone to do something. And I think the same thing is true with faith. I think it's easier for God to redirect misguided faith than it is to initiate someone that has no faith at all. This guy's expecting maybe the wrong thing, but he's expecting something. And I think some of you today, you're not expecting anything from God. By the way, if you didn't come to church expecting God to move, it's okay. I already made up my mind that I'm not going to meet you there. I came with extra expectation that God was going to do something beyond what you're, what you're believing for today. Does that make sense? So he shows up and he looks up at him. He's like, hey, I need some money. And Peter goes, look, look at me. Look at me. And I believe this is, this, is, this is the secret sauce, I believe, to being a community and being a follower of Jesus that actually has wonders appear in your life. Is I believe that all great miracles have two things in common. There's usually prayer somewhere in the mix. And there's usually this other thing called expectations. Expectations usually comes from spending time with God. 
But he had expectations. Hey, look at me. And he looks up, expecting to receive something. I'm telling you right now that you might have, uh, let me just say it like this. Who's ever bought a new car and did not know that anyone else possessed that car until you bought it? And then after you got the car, you realize that everyone on the earth bought your car. And that car is everywhere. Who's been there before? It's like, I bought, no one's, I've never seen this car. I want to get it in this color. I've never seen it everywhere. It's like unique. It's a unicorn. It's like, everyone's going to stare at me. It's so unique. It's so special. I'm so different. I'm so unique. I'm independent. And you buy the vehicle. And the first day you drive, you're like, oh my gosh, they're everywhere. Could I suggest to you that they've always been there, you just never were looking for them? You know what expectations does? I think God's power has always been available, but I think it becomes more obvious to you because you're actually looking for it now. That's what expectation does. And I believe there's just there's stories in the Bible of God doing all these crazy wonders, but the precursor is, is people expected. Mark chapter 5, there's a guy named Jairus. Jairus has a daughter that's on the brink of death. He shows up to Jesus. He says this to him. He goes, hey, would you come to my house? My daughter's going to die. But I, I know, I know that if you come to my house, she'll be made well. Tell me, say with me, expectations. He expected that if he got Jesus to come to his house, things would change. And as Jesus agrees to go with him, there's a lady that's been bleeding for 12 years. She spent every dollar she possessed on doctors and literally didn't get any better. She actually got worse. She was desperate, so, so desperate that she was willing to risk her life. Because according to Leviticus chapter 15, you're unclean when you're bleeding as a female. And uh, if you're unclean, you can't go to church. You can't be around other people. And by the way, if you're caught in church or around other people when you're bleeding, that you're actually, that's worthy of being, it's a, it's a capital offense. So when this lady goes into the crowd and everyone's touching Jesus, it's like going to a Rams game at the Coliseum. If you like personal space, forget about it. Everyone's touching you. Everyone's on you. Like everyone's walking through the mob together. And there's one lady out of everyone that touches Jesus. But listen, she touched him expecting something from him. And it says the moment she touched him, Jesus perceived that power left him. And he goes, who touched me? Who touched me? Peter's like, settle down. Everyone's touching you. Jesus says, you don't understand. Everyone's touching me, but only one person touched me expecting. One person. One person, when they touched, they said, look, this is not just Jesus, the carpenter that can fix my cabinets. This is the, this is the Savior that can save my life. Which leads me to a great thought. What you see in God is what you receive from him. Jesus went to his hometown of Nazareth where his dad was a carpenter. And everyone in Nazareth knew Jesus as the one that can make chairs and tables. And so guess what? Everyone in Nazareth, you know what they got from Jesus? They, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, they got tables and chairs. He healed a couple headaches there. But he go to other places, and they knew him as the forgiver of sins. And you know what they got from Jesus of Nazareth? They got a Jesus that forgave their sins. And he went to other places, and they said, you can heal my body. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Bartimaeus on the side of the road, because he saw a God that could heal his eyes, he got a God that could heal his eyes. Which leads me to the simple thought, but how you see Jesus affects the way that you receive from Jesus. This guy didn't have any faith, but Peter and John looked at him and said, look, you might not have any faith, but in the name of Jesus, what I do have, I give you. Rise up and walk, because you looked at me first. Expectations looks forward.
looks forward. Are you still with me today? And I felt like God told me that Ocean's Church is going to be a community that expects in four areas. Are you ready? I want you to write this down. I believe there's four things that God wants you to live your life expecting something great from. Number one, I believe that I think that we got to live in a place to expect God, expect God to, number one, hear. I think that most people, if we're being honest, we don't pray or we don't talk to God. Because I think we're being honest. I think sometimes we don't believe that God really hears or he cares about the little things in our life. The first thing I felt like God said to tell our community is, number one, he said, Mark, I want you to tell the people to get their expectations up that I'm a God that actually has the power to hear them. I love the Bible because it says in Psalms 46.1 that God is a refuge. In our, excuse me, 1 Peter 3.12, it says, for, for, uh, for the eyes of our God are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their cries. God's ears are attentive to our prayers. It goes on, it says in 1 John 5.15, John says, we know, like undoubtedly, we know that when we pray, he hears us. I think one of the biggest things that we got to understand today in this room is get our expectations up that God is a God that will hear if we talk to him. Mark, what do I do with my life? What do I do with my life? Where where am I supposed to go? What am I supposed to achieve? I'm getting ready to retire. What do I look forward to in this next season of my life? I'm telling you that if you'll take the time to talk to God, God will take the time to talk to you. I believe that we're going to be a church. What makes Oceans kind of special or unique is that we believe every time we get together that when we sing to him, he hears us. When we pray, he hears us. Ian Bounds says that it's the, it's the mouth of man that moved that, the hands of God. He went on to say that when I fail to pray, coincidences cease to exist. There's something about touching the heart of God that releases the, the miracles of God. Are you with me today? And I want you to know the reason why we pray, we know he hears us, is we never bring problems to people that have less authority than we do. Prayer reminds us of who's in control. Prayer reminds us, man, who has authority. Look, this might be outside of my pay grade, but it's not outside of God's pay grade. What are we going to expect? We're going to expect that when we talk to God that he hears. Simple but profound. Say amen. Number two, what else are we going to expect? We're going to expect, number two, that not only do we have a God that hears, but we have a God that helps. I feel like this is very, like, very prevalent right now. Like, like uh, we see, uh, and, and I'm, I'm so empathetic. We live in a day and age, unfortunately, there's active shooters and there's shootings all over America right now. And, and there's tragedies, like whether it's, you know, floods or hurricanes or earthquakes. And I don't know why, man, but I just see this over and over again. That on Instagram or social media, people put like these, you know, praying, man, praying for them, praying for Vegas, praying for this city, praying for Boston, praying for... And, and it's always, you get the same response. And the response is, is people get, because they're, they're kind of tired of it. And I get, I get the frustration. I'm tired of shootings. I'm tired of tragedies. But here's the deal, is people start responding to them and say, can we just stop saying praying for you? Can we just get over it? We need to do something. Stop saying you're praying. Can we just start doing something about this problem? And what my response, my rebuttal is, I think that prayer is doing something. I'm not a politician. I can't lobby. I can't change legislation. I'm going to vote. But I'm not a politician. I'm a pastor. Furthermore, I'm a Christian. And guess what? I pray because I believe that my prayers have the power to change things. I think saying, what are you praying for? Stop praying. Why don't you do something about it? I think what you're saying in that statement is you don't believe that prayer changes anything. I believe that what you pray for has the power to actually change things. I am a pastor. My job is to pray. I'm a Christian. Like, my job is, man, I'm going to talk to God. Because I believe not only does he hear, but when he hears, he helps. 
What are you saying? I'm saying this guy knew. This woman knew. Look, if I can, if, she says, the woman with the issue of blood, she, it, this is what it says, that she spoke to herself and she said, if I can only touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. I want to ask you, what is your internal expectations? What is your internal thoughts? I'll be real with you. Most people, myself included, it's easy to pray a big prayer, to go to a great church service, but during the week, talk yourself out of what God wants to do because your, your internal talk is affecting what you say, and what you say is contrary to what you're praying and believing for. I think the only way to pray the right prayers is to have the, the, the right self-conversations. Like, this is, this, is, this is hell right now, but guess what, God? I just know, man, God, you're in charge. God, you're in control. God, you can help. Psalms 46.1, God, you are my refuge, and you are my strength, and you're my very present help in time of need. And I'm telling you, the first person you got to preach to is yourself. I have learned this over and over again. If you're writing notes, you're a preacher in here, write this down. Don't ever preach anything that's not working in your life. Because if the breath of God is not on you, it's not going to be on what you're saying to other people. I'm telling you, I'm preaching on wonders because I've seen wonder after wonder the last three weeks. Seeing physical wonders, financial wonders, spiritual. There's just things happening right now in Ocean Church. God gave, gave us a building. I was in this room when I took the first offering about eight weeks ago. And I said, God dealt with me and said, stop waiting to find a building to raise money and start raising money believing that God will give us a building. And we took our first offering in faith without having a building. And about 14 days later, we found the building we're moving into now. I'm telling you right now, there is a correlation between believing, expecting, and seeing it. Why do you see cars all over the place like your cars? Because I got one now. And I felt like this picture God gave me is the reason why you're going to see more miracles this week and you're going to have more faith that he hears you and more faith that he helps you is because you're going to get this faith inside of you that goes, man, I think God is a hearer. I think God is a helper. And you're going to see more of it because you have it. Does that make sense? Third thing that we believe here at Oceans, we have expectations that not only does God help, not only does he hear, but number three, that he is a God that, uh, he is a God, we're going to expect God to heal. We're going to expect God to hear, to help, and to heal. Mark 5, it says that she said to herself, if only I can touch them, I'll be made well. There's something about an internal dialogue that believes that God can heal. Psalms 107 verse uh, 20 it says that he sends his word and he healed them and he actually rescued them out of the pit. I believe that God's word has the power, his, his presence has the power to heal what no one else can heal. And I get pushed back on this because some people go, Mark, well, what about people that don't get healed? Let me ask you a question. If you knew that if you prayed for 100 people that were going to die, that one of them would be healed. Can I ask you a simple question? Would you not pray for any because 99 wouldn't get healed? Or would you say, I'm willing to pray for all of them, expecting for all of them, but God, if you only heal one, it's, I'm still going to pray. I can't determine outcomes, but I can determine obedience. Obedience and belief is my department. Outcomes and miracles are God's department. That's a good spot for an amen right there. I'm telling you, many people, they go, Mark, well, it, it didn't happen once, so why would I ever believe for it again? That is the craziest thing I've ever heard. Well, Mark, I went to a church. They had like this, it was just weird. It was unhealthy. I got spiritually sick there because their theology was whacked out. 
let me just tell you this. If you got burned from a church, does that mean, let me, let's say it this way. If you, had, if you got food poisoning and you ate a taco from Taco Bell, Jack in the Box, come on, the best tacos on the earth. I don't know what's in them, but they're really good. And you ate a Jack in the Box taco and you got food poisoning and you start throwing up and you're like, you know what? And I saw you two weeks later and you weighed like 80 pounds less. And I said, what happened to you? And you said, man, I went to Jack in the Box and I got sick and I just gave up on eating. You know what I would tell you? The same thing you would tell me. That's not logical. You had a bad experience with a specific food that does not make all food poisonous. But it's funny that the only area of our life that the devil persuades us in to have this type of logic is with Christianity. Well, I prayed for one thing and it didn't happen, so I'm not praying for anything ever again. Give it up on everything. Throw it in the towel. It's None of it's real. If it's not all real all the time, then none of it's real none of the time. And I'm just telling you, that's a flawed theology. See, faith is not logical or illogical. It's theological. Faith is not denying facts, by the way. It's just not denying God either. Many people go, well, Mark, the facts are I got this diagnosis. Faith is not saying, well, I'm not sick. I don't have cancer. It's not denying a diagnosis. It's just not denying that God can help you. Are you hearing me today? Faith is believing that God can, God will, and God is able. So we believe here that we have expectations that God can. God will, number one, hear. God will, number two, help. Number three, God will heal. And I don't know how many people are going to get healed and how often they're going to get healed, but I promise you every week we show up, I want to promise one thing to you, that I will never show up to this church without believing that God can help you. Because what good is a pastor or a church that doesn't believe in the message they preach? That would be like me starting an accounting firm and not believing that I can help every person financially that comes into my door. Or be like me being a marriage counselor and not believing that I can help every flawed marriage walking into my door. I go to business. Hey, what do you specialize in? Marriage counseling? Okay. And you walk in the door and you're like, hey, tell me about your marriage. And you open up about you and your wife and I'm like, hey, you guys better leave. <laughs> Sorry. Can't do anything for you. I'm telling you that a church that can't offer faith for healing is a church that's in some ways denying 50% of what Jesus' message was. Two-thirds of all of Jesus' ministry was healing the sick. Three things that Jesus did, you can write them down if you want, is he actually taught in practical ways, he met people's personal needs, and he healed their physical conditions. Taught in practical ways, taught in practical ways, number one, he met uh, he met personal needs, and he healed in physical ways. This is Christianity. And it's funny because like places like Orange County that are very educated, it's like, well, I believe that God forgives, and I believe I go to heaven. But it's weird that in the Bible, oftentimes Jesus would say, what's easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to take up your bat and walk? Because forgiveness and healing, one is not harder than the other to God. That's a good spot for an amen right there. What's easier to say, you're forgiven or to get up off the ground and walk? Jesus has proven a point. It's just as easy for me as it is to heal all of your mistakes as it is to heal all your conditions of sin or, or sickness. I'm going to expect wonders in the areas of healing, helping, and uh, hearing. And number, number four, <laughs> last thing, and the band can come up here. We're going to be a community that expects God to have. We're going to expect God to hear to help, to heal, and we're going to expect God, I'll explain, we're going to expect God to have. Have what? 
How about expect that he's a God, that Jesus is a God that has what you do not have? So respect God to have what you need. I think many times that atheism, at its, I mean, they call it practical atheism, and it's living as though God does not exist. Like there's many Christians that they have, they say, I believe in Jesus. They just don't live in a way that like acknowledges his existence. They're not expecting anything from him, not talking to him about anything, not including him in any de- choices, big decisions in your life. We say things like, yeah, I've been praying about it. Have you? <laughs> or is that like a Christian way of sounding good? I'm praying about like we should move or not. Or have you just been picking out houses because you're scared of how expensive it is here? I've been praying about, man, if I, sh- I feel like God's been telling me that we need this, we need to get a divorce. Really? Like, is that what God's telling you? Is that just what you want to do? I think if we're not careful, what we do is we hide behind these masquerades that we're not really actually talking to God about. And I'm not trying to throw rocks today. I just think this, I think we have to come to a place that uh, we talk to him about everything because we, we believe that he has the solution to what we don't have. It says, I love this in Psalms, uh, it says in, a, it says in a Psalms 145, 16, that God opens up his hands and he satisfies the desires of every living thing. He opens his hands, such a powerful thought, and he satisfies the desires of every living thing. It's kind of funny, the, the, the picture here, because it goes on, it says that he holds the span of the universe, or he holds the universe in the span of his hand. The span of your hand is from the corner of your pinky to the corner of your thumb. So, so the author, psalmist writes that God holds all the universes, which... I can't remember the stats, but our universe is like thousands of, uh, our galaxies, thousands of light years apart. And they say there's millions of galaxies. And they're saying, scientists say that they're speculating that there's the galaxies in the universe, the universe, excuse me, is expanding at the speed of light right now. It says that he holds all of it in, the, in a hang loose sign. That he holds it all right here, right? And it says that he opens up his hands and he satisfies the desires of every, every living, living thing. So everything in creation, he opens his hands. He can satisfy it like this. And I really do believe, this is a simple thought, but if you can look up just real for a minute, I feel like there's things that are bothering you, and I want you to know that if it bothers you, it bothers God. I can prove it to you. My little, my little one, Chloe, she fell off the bed the other night, hurt her neck pretty bad, so she's been... My, my wife had to take her to the, the urgent care because she woke up in a lot of pain this morning. And uh, I want you to know, as a father, it's really strange. If you don't have kids yet, just bear with me. Parents know what I'm talking about. But it's almost better, for being honest, I would rather have the pain of my kids so that they don't have to have the pain. Sounds weird, but it's just, I don't know what it is. God wired us this way. My, my Kinsey, when she was a baby, she got really sick. She was throwing up. She couldn't even talk. She couldn't tell me what's wrong. She was helpless. And we had to rush her to the doctor. She was literally throwing up just uncontrollably. And we drove, I drove like the Dukes of Hazard, um, rushed her to the ER in the middle of the night. And it's crazy. I just remember thinking, man, God, I wish, I wish it could be me and not her. Because as a parent, when your kid hurts, And I had this revelation that I'm not the first person to think about this. God felt the same way. And God thought in his mercy, he goes, you know what hurts? It hurts when my kids hurt. So I'm going to be the only parent in history that has the ability to go down 
and take on what they should feel, what they should experience, the sickness, the pain, the guilt, the shame. I'm going to take what belonged to them, and I'm going to put it on my son on the cross. And this is the divine exchange that God, literally, he would exchange our pain for his peace. Exchange our sickness for his healing. What if he doesn't heal me? Well, I think our job is to believe that he can heal us. Some people get healed by going to heaven. By the way, not all death is bad. I don't know if you know this, but none of us are making out of this place alive. <laughs> We're all going to heaven one day. But I just want you to know our faith is, is that God can open his hand and he has what I don't have. So here's my prayer for our community is that we would live a life of expecting. What are you expecting, man? I'm expecting that this is going to be a week that I'm going to talk to God and he's going to hear me. What do you expect? I'm expecting there's going to be some things that come up. But guess what? God is our very present help. Time of me. I'm expecting he's going to help me. Number three, what do you expect? And I'm expecting that, man, if something comes up, I meet someone in a physical condition that needs to be healed, a spiritual condition that needs to be healed, that I'm going to lay my hands on them and I'm going to pray like Peter prayed. I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have, I give. In the name of Jesus Christ, be healed. And the last thing I'm going to expect is that God has what I don't, and I'm going to expect God to have what I need. That's what I'm expecting. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.